From Infinite Guest, this is Top Score, a conversation with composers who write music for video games. I'm Emily Reese. Composer Sam Dillard isn't exactly what you might consider a typical guest for Top Score. He's an entirely self-taught freelance composer, that part's normal, doesn't have a ton of credits to his name, which I suppose is abnormal. However, he's created his own projects with his own music, his own animation, and his own narrative, and he sells his music online. Stick around to hear more about his music and his other hobbies. When I was really young, my natural instinct was to kind of memorize music. Even before I was speaking, basically, I could remember songs and stuff on the radio. I think at one point I had all of ZZ Top's (laughs) songs memorized. And as soon as they would come on, like the first second, I would start singing along and stuff and humming the, the tunes. But at the time I had a little cheap keyboard and I would go see a movie at the theater and come back and, you know, pluck away the theme songs and stuff. I really started getting into game music specifically, I think, when um, when The Legend of Zelda Link to the Past came out. Because that kind of became an obsession for, <laughs> for a summer for sure. And it kind of got me turned on to the uh, more kind of symphonic sounding game music. So that kind of transition, of course, Metroid and um, a lot of the RPG games that had more orchestrated type scores. Uh, I really got into that stuff and it kind of uh, kind of inspired me to write my own music. A lot of my early stuff was kind of for little fake RPG games and stuff that I would try to think up and just kind of evolved over the years, uh, mostly from film and game soundtracks. So. What do you think it is about that symphonic style that attracts you so much? Well, I think for me, um, I really think more in terms of sort of a storytelling type aspect with music just something about that type of orchestral score it lends yourself to more imagination kind of getting lost in a world i mean i love electronic music just as well but sure something specifically about the sort of symphonic almost narrative that you can picture in your mind it really influences my own style that's mostly the type of music that i i write a movie without the picture when I try to make music. So that's kind of what I go for. Um, I don't necessarily consider myself a particularly great composer per se, but I do try to give a listener some sort of way to picture things happening in their head, you know, some kind of story flow and such like that. So, What do you think it is about that aspect that is so important to you, having some kind of narrative in the music? For me... I can almost use music to sort of write without necessarily words. A lot of times I'll imagine some sort of scene in my head and I might not necessarily know how to kind of (laughs) write it out, but I'll create some kind of song almost to kind of like a notes version to sort of remember it because you can get an emotional aspect 
out of music that you can't really get out of writing or other things. You know, it just kind of connects directly subconsciously. I'm not really sure how to explain it, but. Yeah. And you mentioned just a minute ago about, you know, when you were younger, making up stories for RPGs just so you could write music to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm definitely into game design also. Yes, um, and animation. And I mean, you've you've even created, you know, CGI movies for some of your own music. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't really think I could be totally happy if I was just a successful composer or something or a successful uh, animator or anything like that. I really, really am driven to kind of do it all. So I try and do whatever I can to, to combine it. In the case of those short animated intros that I did, I did the music originally. But when I did the music, I was kind of picturing that sort of scene going on. video to go with it already and since I figured a good way to kind of advertise the music would be to have some kind of little cool animation or something and I spent about six months putting my patient's cap on and just grinding <laughs> it out and on the animation right oh yeah definitely. I mean that's yeah. the long it's part so time consuming yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to talk about Metroid Cinematica, if I could, because the original Metroid score is probably my personal favorite 8-bit. Now, that always comes with the uh, condition knowing that I did not get a chance to game as a kid. So I didn't experience these like a lot of people did. So when I go back and listen, I'm like, wow, I would have just died if I had heard that Metroid <laughs> soundtrack when I was a kid. I absolutely adore it. So have you been a Metroid fan from the very beginning? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I loved the game because it was so hard. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really frustrated with it. But the whole atmosphere about it and the music and the sound and everything was just, it really sucked me into it. Um, and the whole kind of nonlinear aspect of it, kind of getting lost in this this other world, that was definitely right up my alley. So the music itself definitely had a lot of memorable tunes, even though it was, I think, intentionally made to be indistinguishable from the atmospheric sound, uh, which which was also a pretty cool concept for the time. But And then when Super Metroid came out, it was just like, the biggest thing ever. <laughs> I was making up my own little levels and, you know, underground mazes and stuff like that. And it, I think kind of that game particularly got me into uh, wanting to be involved with game design because the whole layout and everything was perfect, <laughs> in my opinion. Talk to me then about how you decided to do Metroid Cinematica. This was a lot of music, like an hour and 20 oh, yeah. minutes or something. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a full album. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of music that's well known in the Metroid series. And I'd worked on some of it with previous albums. That I'd always wanted to do my own Metroid album because I have a specific type of cinematic style, basically, that I really like to uh, compose with. And... Um, a lot of the Metroid soundtrack 
kind of lends itself well to that sound. I had a lot of ideas over the years to do something, but I never really had the uh, the opportunity to kind of, or at least the the end result, because if I'd have done something a long time ago, it would have just probably sat on my computer <laughs> and never be be seen by anybody or heard, I guess. But once I got in contact with the team at Louder and could actually get it licensed and sold, you know, that was very appealing. So I basically kind of sat down and figured out all the different tunes that I wanted to cover because, of course, I have my favorites. But I kind of wanted to score it like if it was uh, like a movie version of the game. And you did, uh, we alluded to it a, a moment ago, you did make an intro for this. Tell me a little bit more about that process. I definitely knew that to get some exposure, I needed to not just have a background with some music playing. I, I definitely wanted to have kind of a an establishment of, okay, this is kind of going to be like a film type experience. So I wanted to do something with the character itself. Um, so I wanted to sort of, actually had a more elaborate scene planned it was going to kind of be the character and she finds this item instead of like a classical metroid item it's like a cd with music on it or something oh cool <laughs> something to kind of established the music theme you know but it was taking so long i just said all right i just gotta cut it short don't go overboard with it tell me about corrupted souls it was supposed to be part of the main album but i wanted to make the release date when i said <laughs> i was going to release it and um, I knew it would take a while to kind of put that one together. But another thing is it kind of has a different sound compared to the other tracks. So I figured it's kind of got its own little thing going. So having it released as a standalone track, I think, makes sense because it's got a bit more of kind of a rock type, you know, harder sound. singer hmm? there is a singer in corrupted souls isn't there it's all digital actually <laughs> i wondered about that it sounds really good though part of the uh the difficulty with doing all of it especially the symphonic stuff but also the uh the choral aspects is certain sounds the human ear is really programmed to discern and one of that is human voice type sounds and so doing that well is a big challenge and uh I wanted to have some choral aspects and, you know, a little soloist type stuff. Um, if I could have the means to, you know, hire a soloist or someone, you know, to do vocals, that would be great. I would definitely have done that. But so I'm all working out of what I got. Um, basically had to improvise and I knew I wanted it in there, but I had to kind of figure out how to get that sound and put it in there. And one of the tricky things is 
I'm really picky about the sound, and if it doesn't really sound that good, I'll just not do it at all. But I was so stubborn about wanting <laughs> that particular type of choral sound, um, I went ahead and just kind of figured it out and got it working. So it, You did. It sounds real. And, uh, I mean, just knowing a little the little that I know about you I wondered if it was real not because of what I heard really really well done and this by the way in my opinion is what sets a lot of composers apart from other composers is the fact that you know that that sample on its own doesn't sound right but yet you take the time to make it sound right and that's pretty amazing I appreciate it. That's, that's a really big compliment for me because that's something as a composer I try to do because I'm really picky about not only the, the music itself, but the sound and the presentation of the music, and I want it to sound real. self-taught, right? Oh yeah, absolutely uh, everything, for better or worse. <laughs> do, you, do you even read music? I don't actually. Uh, I've been meaning to pick it up for a long time. Well, it doesn't seem to much matter. I mean, there are plenty of people <laughs> that don't read music. That's been something I've learned in my adult life, is that it just doesn't seem to matter. I mean, you either have it or you don't, right? To me, music is music. I can play music. I can imagine stuff and think things up and for me it's just a process of getting it out of my head and onto something you know that can actually be heard and you improvise a lot don't you yeah yeah pretty much everything really as far as writing music i generally will plan things out because it's usually sort of some sort of scene that i picture in my head okay you know spaceship is flying through the clouds and yada 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 something like that that's kind of what drives me to come up with the material, but um, a lot of times I'll just play stuff on my keyboard and um, sometimes stumble across something that, ah, oh, that sounds really good. I mean, it's a pretty typical process, I guess, for a lot of musicians, but I'm totally self-taught with the music aspect and all the other stuff, really. The only thing that I'm not self-taught about is martial arts. We must talk about this. What styles, how did you get it? Was this also a lifelong interest of yours? The martial arts, um, I mean, I've always been into, you know, martial arts movies and, you know, kung fu and all that stuff. But uh, in my early, mid-20s or so, I started taking some Tai Chi classes. And um, actually, the first art I started with was called Xing Yi Chuan, which is forms of the mind boxing or, you know, mind-shaped boxing. It's basically kind of an internal art, basically, where you're using your mind to kind of visualize these different five elements of Chinese philosophies. There's a lot of depth with those martial arts, and it really appealed to me. And I do uh, do Xing Yi Chuan and Tai Chi, which is an actual martial art, not just people moving around in a park. <laughs> <laughs> a few animal styles of uh, Kung Fu and 
they always say that musicians make good martial artists and I can kind of see why because you know there's a flow to it Forgive me for not remembering the name off the top of my head, but you wrote a song that you had kind of envisioned for a nature documentary, right? That was a piece I did, I think, about three or four years ago called uh, Eternity Rising. Yes, yes. And um, I just watched some kind of documentary about, you know, exploring the Mariana Trench or some kind of undersea thing like that. Um, and I kind of got inspired to do some sort of version of that, like, what if this was happening on an alien planet or something, you know, what? What would a nature documentary there be like? That's kind of where the, the origin of the concept came from. Being able to kind of figure out how to make something that, for the most part, is pretty indistinguishable from, you know, live performances is, is a big, uh, big goal for me because with a live orchestra, you have to combine talents and skills and expressiveness of all these, you know, professional players. But as a composer, a lot of the digital instruments, they sound fine, but they're always missing this sort of liveliness, expressiveness, I guess to say so. In a way, for me, I almost feel like a sculptor because I have to not only write the music, but basically create the actual sound and, and expressiveness of it. You know, I'll mix different instruments or splice together different things and and just, just to get a particular one second of sound and expressiveness the way I want it. For me, it's worth it because when I listen to it back, I want to be satisfied with what I did. Of course, I want the audience to as well, but for me personally, you know... And you mentioned a minute or so ago about how you have a very particular style you go for, a cine- the cinematic style that you go for. Can you describe a little bit more about that? What kinds of things that you prefer to have your, your music sound like? My big passion growing up was game and film composers, basically. So those kind of really emotive soundtracks probably listen to more than anything. I really go for something that strikes more of an emotional chord. I don't really know a lot about the technical kind of ways of writing music and such. People sometimes email me, say, oh, I got goosebumps at this part, or, you know, I could picture this whole scene going on at this part. And that, for me, is a really big compliment because that's kind of what I'm going for with all of my work.
Thank you for listening to Top Score from Infinite Guest. You can learn more about composer Sam Dillard and see a full playlist from this episode at infiniteguest.org. Top Score's production assistant is Pierce Huxtable, and Mark Hintz mixes each episode. You can follow Top Score on Twitter and Facebook at Top Score Podcast. That's Top Score. I'm Emily Reese.